hey, remember that time we got together with Count Juan Rafael Dante for drinks and death touch lessons? No, you don't, because it never happened. Self-defense, self-awareness, self-development. This is the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Hello and welcome to the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. I am your host, Phil Elmore. The Martial Arts Podcast is a production of philelmore.com and themartialist.net. I want to talk part two of our Ninja Podcast. In part one, we talked about why so many fakes lay claim to kind of a nebulous martial arts ninja tradition that's really more generated by popular culture than anything else. Because it doesn't really have much footing in reality, it's very easy to hang out your ninja shingle, put on a black gi instead of a white gi, and pretend to be doing ninja stuff. And there's not a lot of people around to say otherwise in that tradition because the traditions don't exist. There's a couple of organizations that have been what I called legitimized by the passage of time. But apart from them, there are a lot of people out there just making martial martial arts credentials up as they go along or making up the actual martial arts and calling what they do some manner of ninjutsu. Um, I take great delight in misspelling ninjutsu with an I so that it's phonetic because I enjoy mispronouncing Japanese words. It's always been something that I do, so if you hear me mispronounce a word, I did it on purpose. Uh, Now for part two, I figured we'd talk about the sort of psychological makeup of these people that fake their martial arts credentials. I actually wrote a very widely circulated guide to trolls in the martial arts and online discussion. This is back in the days when forums were everything. Everybody had a forum. There were multiple free forum services out there. PHPBB was one of them, and there was the other forum software that was used by, you know, sites like eBudo and and Blade forums and all these places that I spent so much time when I was a much, much younger man. At the same time, I was picking arguments with lunatics Uh, Picking fights with lunatics on the internet and making lifelong enemies, something that I would later try to disengage from. That's why I later took down a lot of that early trolling reference work, even though it was relatively popular. Um, What I found out was that, yes, you can resolve some of those conflicts, but if you've made the mistake of contending with weirdos online you will eventually end up with enemies you can never shed. They will always be out there angry with you for the crime of not believing them. For these people, the single greatest crime is not believing their claims. I talked in part one about why this is. There are people who have nothing to make themselves feel special. They're insecure. They're unhappy. In many cases, they are powerless or they feel powerless. And so... To make themselves feel special, they invent martial arts credentials and martial arts skills and experiences that they do not have and have not earned. In many cases, these are not people who couldn't gain those experiences if they wanted to. But they choose not to, usually because it's faster and more gratifying, they think, to just spring forth into the world fully formed as a martial arts master, as a grandmaster, as the head of your own style, as a black belt with, you know, a fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth Dan degrees on your belts. Um, It's never enough. No amount of real human accomplishment is ever enough for them. Uh, Let me give you a real world example. There was a guy who went by the name Jack Savage. Savage was not his real last name. And Jack Savage was a very aggressive advocate of a martial art named Haikuta. 
which was supposedly an ancient Egyptian martial art. Haikuta was the invention of a man named Lee Krull, who called himself Doc Lee, D-O-K, Defender of Kings. And Doc Lee wrote a book, which you can actually buy in Kindle format on Amazon right now uh, about Haikuta. Uh, I think it's called Haikuta Way of the Fist or something like that. I forget what the subtitle is. Uh, and the, the sort of fundamental hallmark of Haikuta was a very, very loose body mechanic uh, and keeping your thumb on top of your hand and punching with your thumb on top of your fist. Now, anybody who's ever punched anything for any reason knows how terrible an idea that is. But nonetheless, that was Doc Lee's contribution to the martial arts world. He claimed that Haikuta was the martial art of the ancient Egyptian bodyguards to the pharaohs and could not be dissuaded from this nonsense, no matter how hard anybody tried. His followers, a very nice fellow named Al Abedin, who was always unfailingly polite, and an aggressive lunatic who called himself Jack Savage, marched across the internet praising Haikuta for many years in the early days of martial arts discussion forums. Now, here's the thing. Obviously, it was made up. Obviously, it was nonsense. And Jack Savage, if I remember correctly, actually had a fairly impressive job doing, like, armed security for nuclear power plants or something. He worked for a fairly prominent security agency. For a lot of people, that job would be enough. For a lot of people, that would be cool enough for them to feel special. But for Jack, that was not enough. Jack had to march around the internet just viciously attacking anyone who thought Haikuta was silly or who didn't believe the obviously made-up story. It stretches all credibility that any martial art could be handed down from the ancient Egyptians. It just, it's not likely in any way. Now, is it impossible? No. Very few things are completely and totally impossible. But this is about as unlikely as to be functionally impossible. It just, there's no way. Um, I have often taken flack for saying that I think 52 blocks isn't real. And by that, I mean that there's no way that this system was handed down from like slaves practicing in secret through the prison system and on and on. Like, my, my statements about the passage of time legitimizing a system, however, still apply. If people practice a set of techniques that is called 52 blocks and they do it for long enough, eventually enough time goes by that if people still see value in that system and they're seeing success out of it, then yes, the passage of time will have legitimized that body of techniques. But I don't think the origin story holds water. I've never thought it does. And therefore, I think it's fake. Now, you know, people get very upset when you say, I don't believe this thing exists. But something could be effective. And I'm going to circle back around to this towards the end of this podcast. Uh, something can be effective, but the backstory given to it can still be BS. There's a, there's a guy who teaches some kind of wrestling or catch wrestling who swears up and down that it's a recreation of, or maybe not a recreation, the actual techniques used by the ancient Roman gladiators and all this stuff. And it's like, look, man, if what you're teaching is effective, you shouldn't need to attach this clearly made up backstory to it. I don't believe this story. And for a lot of these martial arts fakes, a lot of these people who, you know, are fake ninja masters or fake whatevers, they don't have to necessarily be ninja. I chose to call this Ninja Podcast Parts 1 and 2 because so many of these fakes lay claim to ninjutsu. But there are others. There are other people, you know, claiming to be doing other things. There are even some people out there who will fake credentials like, oh, I'm a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt with a something-something, Dan. And I can't imagine anything stupider because... 
you can kind of sort of fake your way through a low and no contact martial art and claim to be a black belt in one of those strip mall karate type like oh i teach i teach karate to sixth graders at the local strip mall and i have a 12th dan in something something kwando and like you can fake your way through that but the second you roll with a brazilian jiu-jitsu guy who knows what he's doing if you made up your rank it's going to be obvious so, and, and then I suppose there are people who might be skilled but don't have the rank. Um, I'm not sure how often that actually happens. But we'll talk about that, I think, a little bit later. The, the people who fake their martial arts credentials, their stories are always very similar. It's almost like you're talking to the same people over and over again. They all seem to have certain hallmarks in common. And uh, one of those is very often the case. You'll see this with people who are very, very young, claiming to have really high Dan ranks. That they simply haven't been alive long enough to amass rank that, that, that is that high. I know that somebody who's very athletic can conceivably walk into a commercial karate school and walk out with a black belt in as little as a couple of years. You know, two to four. I, I know that that's true. But there are people out there claiming to be really experienced and have to, to have amassed many, many black belt ranks, and they're in their early 20s. It just doesn't work. So what a lot of these people do, will do to make the timeline work is they'll claim to have trained as children. And, you know, they'll always go back to, well, Bruce Lee started when he was such and such age. Anybody who tries to tell you that Bruce Lee did this or Bruce Lee did that, the answer to that is always, you're not Bruce Lee. Most people aren't. <laughs> the overwhelming majority of us are not Bruce Lee. I, I hazard to say maybe almost 100% of us are not Bruce Lee. So when someone says they trained as a child, it, it stretches credibility because children do not have the ability to learn martial arts. I know there are exceptions. You'll see video of adorable little kids doing sparring with heavy pads on. Um, I saw one just the other day, a little, I think he was Korean, a little Korean boy uh, doing punches and kicks with an adult who was teaching him. But that's the exception. Most children can barely walk, you know, when they're that young. Like, like children are not coordinated enough to do martial arts with any degree of seriousness. You have to get older before you're even able to receive instruction in any meaningful way. There's this long-term argument about whether children should be black belts. A child with a black belt who is under 18 years old the black belt might as well be honorary. You should not be able to legitimately earn an actual real black belt in any martial art until you're 18. I'm sorry, because when you weigh 70 pounds and I can just pick you up by the neck and throw you across the room, it doesn't matter what you think you know. Um, that's just my opinion. I know people feel differently about that. Um, in, my, in my opinion, there should be some sort of ancillary rank in between brown and black when somebody's been training. You know, Because you get these young kids who train in a karate school and they're there for four or five years, they're still under 18, but they know the whole curriculum. And so technically, yes, they could be black belts, but they're not really black belts because they're not adults. So, you know, maybe some sort of honorary black belt until you actually become a functioning adult. I don't know. I'm, I'm off on a tangent, but it's something I feel kind of strongly about. But a lot of these these martial arts fakes will say, well, I, I started training as a, as a toddler, and that's why I've amassed such vast knowledge in all this time. And the answer to that is always, no, you didn't. You did not. You absolutely did not. Of course, there's no never any proof of any of this, ever. 
And they'll come up with a, a variety of dog-ate-my-homework excuses for why there's no proof of any of this. There was one guy who claimed to have amassed all of these black belts, um, you know, up to the point when he was a teenager. And, oh, there, there was a fire, and the storage area where I was keeping my certificates burned down, and, and so I don't have them anymore. Really? You're going to go with the John Saxon as Louis Chama in, in Joe Kidd excuse? If you've ever seen Joe Kidd, John Saxon plays the most offensive uh, a sort of Mexican activist you've ever seen because you know John Saxon is a very white white man and this was a time in Hollywood where they didn't mind slapping some makeup on you and, and calling you a different race and so John Saxon has this whole uh, monologue where he's talking about the unjust way he and his people have been screwed out of their land claims. And he's like, one day there was a fire and all the records they all burned up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's offensive. So, so yeah, a lot of people are like, where, where are your certificates? Oh, one day there was a fire and I don't have proof of any of my ridiculous claims. Um, another thing that these people will do, like they'll claim to have learned from people who are unreachable and unverifiable. So I had a teacher, but he's dead and gone now. Um, I had a teacher, but you wouldn't know him. He's in another country. He went back to so-and-so. My teacher was my mom. My mom started teaching me karate when I was a toddler. And, you know, your mom's certainly not going to contradict you. All these different ways of producing for yourself an unverifiable lineage, a completely unverifiable history, because no one can find or reach the teacher you claim to have had. It's always, you know, I was always inducted into some mysterious family tradition by so-and-so, and they'll have elaborate names and a whole long backstory. That brings me to another major red flag, and that is the more complicated the story, the more it is complete BS. This is something you see when people approach you on the street and try to con you. Uh, if I have spent a lot of time getting conned by street people. Well, not getting conned, being approached by street people. I used to, the circumstances of my life were such that I spent a lot of time in downtown Syracuse, which is plagued with a homelessness problem that has long been the source of controversy and discussion. So much so that at different times they've, they've considered aggressive panhandling ordinances and stuff. And so anytime I went downtown, I ended up with another story of somebody approaching me and giving me a song and dance to try and separate me from my money most of the time. The problem with these things is you never know when they want money or they just want to assault you, which occasionally happens. You don't get to know which one out of a hundred times that somebody approached you is the assault one. So you kind of have to treat them all like a possibility, a prelude to an assault. But what I noticed in all of the stories that were ever told to me by people who approached me on the street, the more complex and specific the story, the more it was complete and total crap. Like one guy had a very specific amount of money he needed for a bus ticket, and he went into this huge long story. And then somebody who worked downtown, I told the story to them, and they said, oh yeah, he's been trying to get on that bus for about three years now. Or whatever number of years it was. I forget the exact number. So, you know, it was clearly just a story he used to panhandle with. So when frauds and fakes try to tell you anything, their stories will become incredibly complicated. Uh, there's one very prominent fake in the martial arts who's fond of, of citing complex court cases, which he claims to have won, to prove his point. And, and he, in no case has he ever won any of these cases. But it's so complicated, trying to follow the story is literally impossible. After a while, you just have to default to, I don't believe you. I don't believe anything you say. You have no credibility because it's too complicated. And 
Uh, somebody who cannot tell you, I said this in part one, if I ask you about your rank and you can't answer me in a sentence or two, you're lying. Just period. You're lying. Somebody who has to give you four or five paragraphs of really complex backstory about where their training and experience comes from is lying. Or they're trying to make something that isn't a lot sound like a lot more. Um, it shouldn't be hard to say where your rank comes from. It shouldn't. So the more complicated the story, no matter what the claim is, whether it's a claim about rank or a claim about history or a claim about my teachers, claim about you know what I did when, um, that one particularly famous guy on whom a certain martial arts movie in the 1980s was based, man, his stories are more complicated than any story has ever been ever. And they just keep getting more complex because he keeps building on the delusional architecture in real time. Um, another way you could spot fake martial arts people is the most obvious one, which is if they've got certificates from a notorious diploma mill, and there's a lot of them out there. Um, I remember I used to get uh, mailings for who's who in something something. And the who's who were these giant books they led you to believe that you had received some kind of an honor, and it could be who's who in American college students. I think that was one of them. Who's who in martial arts? Who's who in this? Who's who in that? There are all kinds of organizations that will approach you, claim that you've won some sort of distinction, and then count on you going, well, I don't know as I have, but I'd really love to be among these people who have, so I'm going to fill this out and send it in, and oh, there's a fee? I'm going to pay that fee, and then I'm going to get my name in this book. And of course, it's all BS, but anybody who admits to buying a rank from a diploma mill is stupid but most people will be able to recognize those diploma mill ranks for what they are so eventually you know you're going to be outed for having bought your rank anyway and there's a lot of places that will do that like uh, there are certain martial arts figures there's one guy in particular a very famous ninja fake from the 80s he went through a period of time where he would literally send you a black belt certificate in the back of a book that he was selling the idea being that, well, if you've read and internalized this book, you now have as much skill as a black belt. <laughs> I actually printed, I, not printed rather, I had one of those and I pulled it out of the book and framed it in a dollar store frame at one point because it just amused me greatly to have that up on the wall. Um, another warning sign. I talked about this in part one incongruence. If somebody claims to you to be this incredibly skilled, incredibly credentialed, advanced martial artist with multiple uh, black belts, and I said in part one that the existence of multiple black belts is itself a warning sign because it is not usual. Like there are some people out there who have amassed multiple black belts and even multiple high Dan black belts in multiple martial arts. There are some people who do it. They are the exceptions. They are the people who are famous for the books they write and the stuff they do. You know, I'm talking about big names in the martial arts. Um, you know who they are. Uh, they're people that I'm blessed to have interacted with on occasion because for years I did interviews of self-defense experts for a, a, a internet marketer that I worked with. So I've interacted on some level with a lot of these personalities. And uh, they're the exception, not the rule. So anybody who's like, oh, I have six black belts and I've got this fourth Dan whatever in this and a sixth Dan in this and blah, blah, blah. No, you don't. I don't believe that you do, because most human beings simply don't have the time and energy to have done that. And the younger they get, the less likely it is to be true. But more importantly, if somebody claims to be this advanced martial artist and their skills clearly are not up to it, because these people love to post video of themselves, especially in the modern era where everybody's got an Instagram and a YouTube and a this and a that. 
if they're posting video of themselves and they suck, and they're claiming that I'm a six Dan in this and I'm a Shidoshi Sheehan something or other, whatever, of a grandmaster of something, something, that's a warning sign. That's a warning sign. The incongruence is itself a problem. Now, very importantly, what most fakes and frauds have in common, whether they're ninja frauds or some other flavor of fraud, is that when you don't believe them, they get really angry. I said before in part one that this is because you were challenging their sense of identity. And in this part, I talked about the fact that this is the thing they have that makes them feel special. These are people who are deep down very insecure, very unhappy, very inadequate in their own minds. Even when they have relatively cool jobs or relatively cool things about their lives, it's not enough. No amount is ever enough. In the case of one fellow on whom a famous martial arts movie from the 1980s is supposedly based, there is no level of accomplishment that will ever satisfy that man. He is, in his own mind and according to him, the single most accomplished record-breaking martial artist and man of adventure who has ever lived or ever will live. And it's still not enough. But if you say you don't believe it, if you say that these claims stretch credibility, these people get really, really angry. They get furious because you're not just saying you don't believe them. You're not just disagreeing about a matter of opinion. You're challenging their their very sense of who they are. You're challenging the thing that makes them special. If they don't defend that thing, then suddenly they are not special. And what a lot of these guys have in common, I've noticed, is a lot of them are, they go through these cycles of, of mania and depression where they'll get really aggressive and really excitable and they'll they'll post a lot and, um, you know, just, just sometimes they'll spam you in it for an entire day. I've had that happen. Uh, they get really excited. And then they get really quiet because there are periods of time where they've been dealt a setback or something didn't go the way they wanted, or they just had a bout of reality, and they get really depressed until the mania swings back around. So what you'll see is these guys will get low and then say, oh, chuck it all, I don't want to do any of this anymore, and then they'll they'll delete their Facebook accounts, or in the case of one guy who had a ninja podcast, he deleted his entire podcast and he uploaded a message that said, farewell with sad music, and you know because he was feeling low. And then almost immediately, the Ninja Podcast guy came out of that and brought his podcast back, but then changed the name and disconnected it from iTunes accidentally because he changed the name and made a mess of everything and ruined whatever work he'd put into this so far, which is what happens when you get manic and then depressed and then manic again and you try to reinvent yourself. So the the reinvention happens a lot. Fakes tend to reinvent themselves a lot. Um, and, and at some point when all of their lies have been debunked and they've been embarrassed over and over again by people who've called them out on their claims that simply don't make sense and simply aren't supported by reality. Uh, or, for instance, maybe, they've, maybe they're a military fraud and somebody pulled a Freedom of Information Act request for their military records and showed that they're just lying. Well, they'll get to a point where they try to disavow everything they've done before and reinvent themselves and change and become something different. Um, and that's very common, that cycle of mania and then a low point followed by a need to reinvent. That, that happens a lot. Um, sometimes, like, they're just plain lying. You can just tell. Some claims simply don't hold up right from the outset. You know, um, I mentioned uh, the fellow from the 1980s who had an entire movie based on his life, supposedly. That fellow wrote a book. 
And that book I've read, and it is obviously fiction from the first lines of the book. As somebody who has edited professionally and who is published commercially, I don't know how any editor read that book and thought, yep, sounds real to me, because <laughs> it was sold as nonfiction, not as a fictionalized account. And boy, you read that book and you're just like, this is this is lies. It is obviously lies. When, uh, when accused of lying, it is very common for these martial arts fakes and their defenders to go, it doesn't matter, can they fight? Well, first of all, if somebody has to lie to me to make me think more of them, that does matter. That speaks to integrity, but it also makes me go, why do you need to lie for me to be impressed with you? What, what was, what's driving that? So right away, I have some questions if somebody feels the need to lie to me, to snow me, to BS me. But more to the point, just because somebody can beat you up doesn't mean they're telling the truth when they also tell wild tales. If somebody walks into the room and is like, I'm the greatest martial artist who ever lived, and I hold 15 black belts, and I'm an eighth Dan and all of them, and I won this secret tournament in the Maldives and that nobody knows about but that I won, and you know, on and on and on. Well, if you say, I don't believe you, and then he punches you unconscious, just because he was able to beat you, just because he quote-unquote can fight, doesn't mean he's right. The ability to beat somebody up does not mean that that person is correct. You can be the biggest jerk in the world and be really good at fighting and be, you know, lie all the time and still be good at fighting. There's a, a martial artist who I've never met who has long been rumored to be a cokehead. And, and if you've never seen his picture, you know why that rumor is there. There was, I bought a martial arts book that was like in cartoon format. And when they shared a picture of this famous martial arts guy, they put lines under his eyes that made him look strung out. I'm like, whoever drew this knows that this dude gets accused of being a cokehead. I have never heard anything good about him. I've never heard from anyone who ever worked with him or met him who said good things about him. He is universally hated. And yet, not a single person says he can't fight. Oh, he can. And when you're that big a jerk, you need to be able to. So just because you can fight doesn't mean you're telling the truth about your background. Let's say that uh, Jack Savage, the guy that I mentioned uh, from the Haikuta system, let's say that he gets mugged and he successfully beats up his attackers. Does that mean that Haikuta really is the ancient art of the Pharaoh's bodyguards? No, it does not. So please, can he fight? That's not the answer. That, that isn't the arbiter of truth. Anybody can beat anybody on any given day. But it doesn't mean you're telling the truth. And when we talk about frauds and fakes, for me, the primary issue isn't that maybe you're selling something that doesn't work because there are lots of legitimate martial arts that aren't all that effective. I've had friends of mine be accused of, of being frauds by other people who just didn't like the martial arts that they did. And I think that's incorrect. I don't think that's how English works. Uh, to me, a fraud or a fake is somebody who's deliberately lying. So you have to be deliberately lying before I'm going to put you in that fraud and fake category. You could be the exponent of a martial art that simply isn't effective. You could be misguided. You could have false confidence in something you're doing that simply isn't all that great. But that doesn't mean you're a fraud. To me, a fraud is somebody who's deliberately perpetrating a falsehood. So I, I think we need to make that distinction. It's very important. Because somebody who's being dishonest with you is very, very different than somebody who's just wrong about something that he happens to believe in. Finally, I think it's very important that we talk about 
the mythology of fakes and frauds. And by that, I mean, you can often catch a fake or a fraud by whether or not he's trying to get in on a mythology. I don't know if you remember back in your grade school days, but kids would start telling lies, telling tall tales about something that supposedly happened to them. Well, this one time we saw these guys and they turned out to be pirates. And then like they led us on the pirate ship. And this story is actually turning into the plot of the Goonies somehow. But you know what I'm talking about. The kids would not only tell lies, but other kids would try to get in on the story and they would have to inform the first liar of what had happened that they're adding to the mythology like well remember that time that you fought the pirates and they were really impressed by your fighting ability and then the the first kid's like oh yeah yeah i remember that and what you've got are two liars playing off of each other they both know that the other one is lying but they're both willing to go along with it because it furthers the goal of telling the tall tale i have watched this happen in real time among these lunatics who all want to claim that they were in the secret martial arts tournament that guy from the 1980s who had a movie based on him supposedly won for the first time as a Westerner. I've watched that conversation unfold on social media. Well, you know, I was there too. And remember, you were there and this happened and that happened. And I have to tell you that this happened because you don't know that it happened because all of this is fake. And uh, that guy in particular, movie guy, he encountered some folks who are part of Another fake tradition that stems from John Keehan, who was a legitimate martial artist until he went insane and started styling himself as Count Juan Rafael Dante uh, and advocating for uh, no-holds-barred full-contact tournaments. Count Dante, or John Keehan, um, he was, you can track his fall from acceptance, his fall from grace and into persona non grata by reading articles in Black Belt. They wrote a lot of articles about that guy. When he was part of a legitimate karate organization, they loved him. When he started calling himself Count Dante and calling for brutal, no, brutal, no-holds-barred tournaments, suddenly they were very offended by his, his existence. And there has been a string of people who've laid claim to the legacy of Count Dante ever since uh, because he's dead and he can't defend himself. And I know... Uh, there's one guy who is the son of a fellow who was a contemporary of John Keehan who's actually sued another famous ninja fake from the 80s who laid claim to the Black Dragon Fighting Society uh, sort of legacy. And they, they go back and forth, and I don't pretend to know who's winning that battle. But my point is that all of uh, the, the, our famous movie from the 1980s guy, the most accomplished martial artist who's ever lived, at some point, he encountered these Black Dragon Fighting Society people, and then he suddenly remembered that, oh yeah, I trained with Count Dante too. It had never occurred to him to bring this up before, but once he was interacting with them, suddenly he wanted to get in on the mythology too. Suddenly he was part of that crowd too. And that's a big indicator. All right, I'm going to need to wrap this up because there is way more in this field that can be covered in a single podcast or in 50 podcasts. I mean, we could we could devote the podcast to nothing but people who are frauds and fakes, but I think it's an important issue. So uh, feel free, wherever you're watching or listening to this podcast, leave a comment, leave a rating, let me know what you think. Um, it's okay if you want to leave hate mail too. I, I know that's going to happen and I'm not worried about it. Uh, engagement is engagement, but the fact of the matter is there's a lot of people out there, ninjas and otherwise, who don't feel special unless they're lying about their martial arts background. My argument is not only should you not have to do that to feel special, but deep down, if you're doing it, 
you know that you're doing it and you don't feel good about it. And that's why you feel so angry when people question you on it. All right, that has been the Martial Arts Podcast. I have been Phil Elmore. Until next time, pretend I said something cool here. This has been the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Visit us online at linktree slash Elmore.